Um, if you have your Bible uh, or your phone, um, open it at uh, John 8, or please open it at John 8. Um, let me pray. Thanks so much to Judith and Nicola for leading us this morning. Um, I just keep hearing that language over my head. The Father's arms are open wide, and I suppose it it, uh, it helps. That line helps with what we want to try and communicate this morning. Um, and so maybe you're here in the room, and maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're feeling pretty rubbish about how your week's going, or some of the things that maybe you've done or you've said. Uh, Father's arms are wide open. Um, whether maybe you've had a good week, maybe you're, you've ticked every 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 morning. You've got your box ticked. Your devotional's done. Prayer time's been incredible. Father's arms are open wide for us all this morning. I just am so grateful for that. I feel so grateful for that this morning. Um, so yeah, that's prayer. Father, thank you for uh, thank you for this time. Um, of worship, thank you for this time to be together. Um, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would, uh, God, give us ears to hear what you would want to say today. God, give us minds that would just uh, be open. God, maybe even give us minds that would be willing to suspend our the things that we already think, the preconceived maybe ideas and notions that we already enter into these moments with. God, I just pray that we'd be able to suspend them, and not, not to empty our minds, God, but to be able to be open to what you would want to say, to challenge, to convict. Um, yeah, and Holy Spirit, just, um, I just want to make myself available to what you want to do. Because just acknowledging my inadequacies and my weaknesses and thank you that you still would want to speak through us. God, thank you that your arms are open wide for us this morning. And God, I pray wherever, whether we're here in the room or in our own living rooms, that we would know the wide open posture of Father God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Walk, walk this way is, the, is what we are going to continue to look at over, actually I don't know if we are, are we dad? Dad's on next Sunday. Um, he's free reign, don't know whether that's a good idea or not, but if we free reign to, to share whatever the Lord's led in his heart. Um, Really grateful to to Jesse and Amy for last week, just for um, just pulling together a few threads that uh, that feel like the Lord has been teaching us over the last number of weeks, and um, so really grateful to them for that. Um, I just feel like there's so much more we want to say around this idea of walking in the way of Jesus. 
Again, to remind you, 1 John 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And so over the last number of weeks, we've looked at, um, it was, I think it was David, we touched on the way of power, we talked about the way of hope, talked about, uh, we talked about those times of, of when we doubt. Neville took us through the importance of what we think uh, so determines how we act and how we serve. This morning, I, I want to talk about the non-judgmental way of Jesus. The non-judgmental way of Jesus. And, um, and it's probably some of what we're going to say here. You maybe will have heard it. I hope it's, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's not too repetitive. Um, I know maybe the way, when we looked, when we went through the Beatitudes, we talked about blessed are those who are merciful, for there will be shown mercy. And, and maybe some of what we shared then uh, will be picked up a wee bit here again this morning. Um, I probably should have went back and listened in, but I just can't listen to myself. So, um, so if I repeated myself, forgive me. As we look at the life of Jesus and as we consider um, God coming in flesh, dwelling among us, uh, if there was anyone, he was sinless, he was perfect, without blemish, without fault. And so if there was anyone that had the right to judge, if there was anyone that had the right to be judgmental, if there was anybody that had a right to walk the earth with an air of superiority, uh, I think Jesus would be, would be the one, be top of the list. If anybody's going to be able to do that, it's going to be Jesus. But it was his fullness. He came, um, he came full of grace. He came full of truth. And it was that. It was, it was the fullness of his grace and the fullness of his truth that attracted people to him. And, uh, and that's why it feels like we just want to stay in the stories of Jesus for as long as we possibly can, um, because it, I think it is, we just want to be once again captivated by who he is and what he's done, and, uh, and how that would then impact those of us that have uh, been called then to walk in the same way. And so judgmentalism, judge, being judgmental did not define Jesus. It was certainly not one of his characteristics, even though what I'm suggesting, he would be perfectly justified in being so. It didn't define him, and it certainly should not define us. And again, I didn't do it, but if I would imagine that the, the statistics, or if you were even to begin to type into Google, why are Christians so, I think, judgmental might automatically be the thing that comes up. It, ha it, it, it is fair, I think, to say that that has been our reputation, the reputation of the church. Um, and again, you maybe say that that's, that's, that's not me or that's not us. But as we think collectively today, I wonder if that is what has been one of the things that has defined us. And I'm so grateful. I think that's why I'm... I'm just loving that song this morning. The Father's arms are open wide. And, and I'm just so grateful that, that Father God does not share our rating system. 
the I just I'm like thank goodness for that because if the way if I was to uh, if I was to think about the, the sometimes the way that I judge other people it is certainly with a higher standard it is certainly with a stronger weightier judgment than even God judges he does not share our our rating system how we how we rate certain sins, how we rate certain behaviors. And uh, right down to the little white lies, thank goodness he doesn't share our system of rating people or rating people's behaviors. And just as we begin to read this story this morning, I think one of the thoughts that I'd love us to consider right the way through this and even one of the takeaways that I'd love us to um, leave here this morning with would be this idea that nothing reaches people like being loved when they least deserve it. Nothing reaches people like being loved, being shown mercy, being, being demonstrating unexpected kindness when they least deserve it. And on the flip side of that statement, there is nothing that pushes people away like being judged when they don't deserve it. And so I think that what is what this story uh, helps um, helps us to get to that place where this could become our takeaway. So why don't we read it? Uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If we had, if we had a load of time this morning, I would, have, I would love just to almost go around the room and automatically, where do you find yourself? Where is your attention drawn to in this story? Who do you find yourself identifying with? Are you maybe like the ones in the crowd that just watch on? Are you, is, because I think, and maybe this is unfair, maybe this is too harsh, but I think I know me well enough to know that there is a raging religious leader within me. <laughs> there's, and I, wanna, I think there's maybe possibly a raging religious leader within us all. And, and I think that you, you'll know that at times whenever you see behaviors that are completely against your values or your beliefs or your understandings, the raging religious leader could rage within you in the same way that it's doing here. Maybe that's harsh. Don't put that on yourself if it's not for you. But maybe, maybe there, for some of us, we find ourselves identifying with, with these guys. 
Maybe you find yourself, well, the Bible says it, because that's what they were coming. They're saying the law says it. That's what the Bible says. What do we do? What do we do now, Jesus? This is what the, this is what the law says. This is what the Bible says. So what are we going to do with that? Um, or maybe you're, maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like the woman. Maybe you're unique. Maybe you, you, you're, this just sounds like the story of Jesus here. Just that's what sounds like you. Defending those who have been caught up in the, the cycle of shame and being disgraced and being, uh, uh, being I, I want to suggest being dehumanized because of, um, because of decisions, because of unhealthy choices or whatever. And that's what, that's what judgment does. It isolates people. It stands them out and it puts them to shame. It dehumanizes people. It increases the level of shame that I think that maybe many already carry. It further polarizes the us and the them. And we've spoke a lot about that. But, and that's what judgment does. It increases shame. It dehumanizes people and it polarizes. It widens that gap between us and them. And if your theology, it's been said I can't remember who said it, but if your theology makes you feel superior to others, then you need to rethink your theology. Again, if sometimes you, I, you can end up reading so much. I can end up reading too much that I don't know where to attribute some of these quotes to. But again, throughout the week, I don't know if it was in a book or in a podcast, but they suggested that most of Western Christianity loves the name of Jesus because it because he can save me. We love the name of Jesus because he can save me, but we hate or we dislike or we are uncomfortable with the ways of Jesus because he also wants to save them. And so I think, and I know, you can test this for yourself, I know that that's what happens for me. When I get caught up in that place of the, the raging re religious leader in me wanting to burst out, I, I, I can sense that I'm dehumanizing people. I can sense that I'm, like, in, in my head, I'm increasing the shame. I'm, I'm polarizing the us and the them. And Anne Lamott, Anne Lamott says, you can safely assume you've created God in your image when it turns out that God doesn't like all the same people that you don't. Safely assume you've created God in your image when it turns out God doesn't like all the same people that you don't like. I feel like we can't we can't move away from this conversation without um, without touching on Matthew seven. Matthew seven verse one to five says, "Do not judge, or you too will be judged." For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And again, just some, I say some simple lessons. It, is, it certainly is one of the things that I think we find most 
most difficult, most challenging as we try to walk in this same non-judgmental way of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 7. And I think what he would be wanting to say to us is that we would get into the habit of never examining the speck in another person's eye before paying attention to the log in our own. And I think Jesus is, is like, he's, it's, it's hyperbolic language he's using. He's exaggerating the point to the point where it's like, it's funny, it's humorous, but he's, he's making a significant point here. And I think it is the point that actually Paul uses when he says to Timothy, um, he calls himself the chiefs of sinners. He calls himself the worst of sinners. And we've talked about this recently. And I think that what, that, what Paul was communicating to Timothy is that when you live this way, Timothy, you can never look down on people. You can never look down on people whenever you acknowledge that this is, you're the, the chief. And it's not, it's not so that you get yourself into a cycle of guilt and shame, but it's in order that you will have never any reason. Your posture will never be one of looking down on other people, on other people's failures, on other people's mistakes, on other people's behaviors. And so he's making the point that, the, that what is in your neighbor's eye is a speck compared to the log that is in your own. Never any reason for any of us that have experienced such unexpected kindness, such significant mercy and grace for us ever to feel superior, for us ever to look down on people and again maybe you say that you don't maybe your automatic response to that is i don't look down on people i promise you that i don't and i probably would that probably is my gut reaction too but the test of it is acknowledge pay attention to what you think pay attention to your attitude when you speak about someone that you strongly disagree with what is, your, what is your reaction? What is the thing that comes to your mind? What is your body language? What is your tone when you begin to think about the people that you don't agree with? I think there is important lessons for us. I think what Jesus is requiring of us here and even in the story that we've read, I think what is required of us as we walk in this non-judgmental way of Jesus that we need absolute humility. Suspending all that you think that you know. I've, I've so appreciated how, the, how um, Amy and Francis and Lila have led us through the Hope Rising course. That has been one of the things in, over the last couple of weeks as they've presented scenarios to us. You you realize that even as the scenario is presented, you are already have in your mind why this has happened. You've already passed judgment on the behaviors of other people toward you or toward others. See, it, there's, a, there's a need for more humility. There's a, a need to suspend all that you think that you know. And I think it would be really helpful for us as 
as we walk the way of Jesus, as we consider what it is collectively to walk the way of Jesus, that we focus on people over policies, protests, and statements. So I'm not here to to criticize or condemn those who protest, who make policies, who make huge statements, but I strongly believe that following this non-judgmental way of Jesus, we focus, we prioritize people over those things. Because there is no, for, like, I'm sure there's, counselors can speak to this, there is no, or maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels to me that there is no one-size-fits-all policy in relating to others, in relating to individuals, and in relating to those that we rub shoulders with in our families, in our communities. And I think it's why we need a significant relationship with someone to be able to discern how the scriptures might apply to an individual's life. And I think when we make the blank, these blanket statements or these, these um, protests, attempted to put an adjective, but, but a protest for creator policies, my fear is that we miss out on the developing of relationship, the building of significant relationship in order for us to be able to discern how to apply the scriptures. And I think that this is the, the Jesus third way approach. And again, this is language that we have, we've touched on before over the last couple of years. And, and, um, and I think Jesus offers us this third way approach continually. Because there's two binary options that are served, served up to us in culture. And both sides, whether it's on the right or on the, it's on the left, or one extreme or the other, both sides think they're right. And both sides dig their heels in even further whenever they are questioned or whenever they are opposed or, or whatever. And so I... I think there's some lessons for us here in this, in this story in John chapter 8 and what Jesus reminds us of in the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount that, um, that we never examine the speck in another person's eye if we haven't, if we're unwilling to look at the log in our own. Approaching conversations and approaching people with absolute humility, suspending all of our judgments without all of the knowledge, focusing on people over policies, and then just exploring this third way. I think all of these things are, are going to be beneficial for us as we consider walking the non judgmental way of Jesus. And I know I maybe I maybe taken the teaching on Wednesday night um slightly away from what the what the ladies were doing but i found i found that idea of uh, unhelpful thinking core beliefs and disputing questions really helpful as i just engaged with this over the last couple of days and so as i think of unhelpful thinking i i think that is one area for me that is incredibly unhelpful passing judgment making judgment without all the knowledge, without all the facts, without examining the huge, massive log that's in my own eye, 
while trying to flick the speck out of another. And trying to examine where those core beliefs come from. I think there's core belief that I think that maybe God requires that my, my, my role is to convert people, but that's, that's not true. What God requires of me is that I would, that I would love people. So it's wrestling through with some of those core beliefs. The belief that, that maybe God is authoritarian, that he's distant, that he's aloof. But actually his arms are wide open. And something needs to shift to the, with, our, with our core beliefs. That he's slow to anger, that he's rich in love. He's not quick to punish. Sometimes the presentations of the gospel that we've heard maybe or that we've, that we've received make God sound like he cannot wait to punish. Cannot wait to judgment day so that he can punish. He's been waiting for this and that's so unhelpful. It's so untrue. It's all, for me, it's almost the opposite of the nature and the character of God revealed in Jesus. And so there's some work needs to be done, I think, with, with our core beliefs, even when it comes to this some of this judgment. I, like, I hope that this isn't making a, a mess of what the girls have been doing, but they're disputing questions. And so that the disputing questions have been so helpful. And so I found myself in situations over the last couple of days or even just like thinking about potential scenarios and being able to pull back and say, am I jumping to conclusions? It's a disputing question, I think. Is nodding. Am I am I assuming my view of things is the only one possible? That's a really helpful disputing question I have found. Am I assuming my view of things is the only one possible? Another one that's been helpful. Am I judging? Am I condemning on the basis of one single event? How often can we do that? Something happens on the road. Somebody beeps the horn at you and you pass judgment, you condemn based on that one single event. You maybe have an experience with somebody in the, in the counter um, in our local supermarket who's maybe had a bad day and we pass judgment. They are a grumpy so-and-so based on that one single event. And so that, that's a helpful question for me to ask, am I condemning, am I judging on the basis of a single event? Here's a good one for me. Am I using double standards? So me walking in and saying, that, what a grumpy so-and-so behind the counter. Well, I'm standing there like, a, like my mask on and, and baseball cap on, waiting, tapping my feet, waiting for it to go. Like, am I using double standards? All of that sort of stuff. And I love, going back to this story in John 8, I love what Jesus was doing here. Jesus stopped the stones. And I always feel like that is a word for us as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as the church. Let's stop the stones. How, how, do we, how are we going to stop the stones? Even virtually. Like there is... There is feels like there's an increasing number of virtual stone throwers. How are we going to stop the stones? And I, and I think what Jesus did is so beautiful. He stopped the stones because he was more interested in restoring humanity 
than punishing humans. He was so much more interested in restoration than he was in punishing. And so even though this is what the Bible says, even though this is what the law says, Jesus, she has to be stoned. That's what the law says. How are you going to get around this, Jesus? They'd missed his character. They'd missed his nature. That wasn't what he was interested in. He was interested in restoration. His whole plan, his whole plan from, from Genesis 3 and for all time has been restoration. And so I wonder, when you're tempted to stone, metaphorically, when you're tempted to judge, will you choose to surrender your self-righteousness? Sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Don't know another way of asking it. Will you choose to surrender your self-righteousness to walk the beautiful journey of humility and servanthood. And I know it sounds harsh, but I think of Luke chapter 18 when Jesus is, is talking about the self-righteous religious leader that is standing superior to the tax, the tax collector. Thank you, God, is his prayer that I'm not like these people, that I don't behave in this such a way, that my that my morality is perfect, that my sexuality is perfect, that my whatever is perfect. I'm not like all of these ones down here. And Jesus is, Jesus is he's elevating the tax collector because his prayer is something like the prayer of Paul, have mercy on me, Jesus, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And over and over again, we see it throughout the whole, the whole thread. Sometimes you have to delve a bit deeper, but I think the thread uh, is picked up by James. In James chapter 2, verse 13, the brother of Jesus says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I think it is true. And I see the story in John 8. I see it being lived out continually in the way of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Nothing reaches people like being loved. Nothing reaches them like being shown unexpected kindness when they least deserve it. And nothing pushes them away like being judged when they don't. And so that's how Jesus left her. He knew that it would be the, his mercy. He knew that it would be his, the grace, the love, the unexpected kindness that would cause her to go and leave her life of sin. It wouldn't be through condemnation. It wouldn't be through judgment. It wouldn't be through standing up on her little soapbox and declaring um, the horrible wickedness of behavior. That's not how it was going to be done by Jesus. And I think when he bent down, I don't know what he was doing. I'd love to know what he was writing in the sanders. Part of me thinks he was giving himself time. And I think he was just doodling. And he just was at, he was waiting. The Holy Spirit was giving wisdom. And it was, um, got to the place where they all left. No one, everybody left their stones. 
And Jesus says, I, neither do I condemn you. And we don't know any more about this woman's story. But I think it was how she'd been treated by Jesus, how she'd been loved and defended and cared for that caused her to leave her life of sin. And maybe you're in the place this morning, maybe you're in the place you can't fully relate to this exact story, but maybe you find yourself like the woman. Maybe you haven't found yourself identifying with the, with the religious leader or the crowd or with Jesus. Maybe it's been with the woman. Because maybe you've found yourself in that place where you are feeling judged. Maybe you're one of the ones that actually is feeling condemned and simply, simply this morning you need to know. You need to know that in the same, the posture of Jesus is the same for this woman as it is for you. Jesus straightened up and he stood with her. And so if you're feeling judged, if you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling any sense of guilt, you need to know that Jesus stands with you. Jesus stands with you, loving you. He stands with you, defending you. Because he knows that nothing reaches people like being loved and receiving unexpected kindness when they least deserve it. So Father, I pray that we would be ones that would um, demonstrate unexpected kindness. Father, we find ourselves in 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 moments this week where we will actually just go out of our way to demonstrate unexpected kindness to those that we have thought poorly of. To those that in our own minds we've thrown stones at. We've condemned because of their behaviors, because of their choices, because of because of whatever. Father, we'd be ones that would go out of our way to demonstrate unexpected kindness. God, we wouldn't be we wouldn't even wait for it to for for it to come across our path. We would go out of our way. Knowing that the non judgmental way of Jesus reached people, freed people, restored people more than the judgment and the condemnation of the religious leaders. And so God we just uh, we just we just give ourselves to self examination even over this over today and this week. And if I'm a heart even right now is for those that feel that sense of feeling shame. Feeling that religion has pushed them out into the centre of a group to be ridiculed and to be mocked. And Jesus, I pray that they, and we would all, would all know Jesus standing with us, defending us, loving us. And God, as you have done that for us, Jesus, we would do that for others. We've received much, God. We've received much mercy. We've received much grace. And who of 
much has been given, much is required. And so we, we leave here, God, just wanting to demonstrate what we've received. So bless us as we go about our day, go about our week. Thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to see you all this morning. And uh, for those that have joined us online, thanks to you too. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Everybody, it's still dry outside. If you get a chance, it's good to be able to socially distant, have a quick chat with one another. Um, and hopefully see you during the week. We're back here next Sunday. Bless you all.